Good morning. I'd like to welcome everybody to the first official episode of E-Squared Uncut. As always, I'd like to put this disclaimer out up front. Any information given, any topics discussed is strictly for entertainment purpose only. However, we will try our best to give you the best possible information, the best possible solutions to anything that we discuss. So with that being said, I'd like to go ahead and jump right into today's topic. Today's topic is pretty much a high point in a lot of political circles. It's gun control. I also like to make a second disclaimer. This is not an attempt to take away your guns. The government cannot take away your guns. It's literally written there in the Constitution. However, what this is, is a, a debate about things we can do to help mitigate mass shootings. I will also say that I fully understand that it's not going to stop. If people want to go shoot some stuff up, they're going to shoot some stuff up. So this is just a way to start a debate on how can we mitigate the frequency and the actual casualties that happen as a result of mass shootings. Let's go ahead and get right to it. Recently, I was looking at the news and I saw that a postal worker, UPS or FedEx or one or the other, decided to stockpile 2,000 rounds or something like that. Something ridiculous, you know, for whatever purpose. Didn't even follow the article. I can only imagine what was the purpose for it. Also, you know, you look at the news almost with, with great frequency, there's a shooting someplace, somewhere, five or more casualties or in crowded events. Churches, malls, shopping centers, highways, clubs, bars, except schools. No matter where you go nowadays, you cannot escape a school, a shooting, period. And the worst part about it is we have literally no way to respond to it. So here I would like to outline a few steps in my plan of what I think should actually happen. And again, you are feel free to disagree or agree and debate the topic as necessary. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to label them in steps. And the first step is I believe that we should allow people who buy guns online or at gun shows to have to submit to a background check. Now, this might be an outdated thing. I don't know because I haven't followed it recently. But I do know that was one of the topics that people can attain guns fairly easy over the Internet. So here's what I propose. When I go to the store to buy a gun, I have to submit to a background check right then and there. And if it's necessary, take the cool down period of three days to run a background check and get my weapon. Now, I think that's fairly decent. I think that's a good idea, you know, just a background check in itself. I have no complaints. Now, once I brought those guns, I remember I had to get it shipped from one state to the next. In order for me to do that, I had to go to an authorized gun dealer. They had to send it to an authorized gun dealer. When I went to go pick my gun up, I had to go submit to another background check, mind you. I already owned the guns. I had literally just submitted to a background check for the guns, and I still had to submit to another. Did I complain? Nah. I know that's proper procedure and protocol. I feel that's a good thing. So what I propose is if we buy guns online or at gun shows, the gun dealer online should actually send it to an authorized gun dealer who is credible and certified to make gun sales. Once that person go to pick up the gun, I think they should actually submit to a background check. Now, let's say two things happen. One, if I buy it for another person, but I come to pick the gun up myself, if my name is not on that purchase receipt, I can't pick it up. Or two, I come to pick it up, my background check fails, I can't pick it up. Gun gets sent back, and let's say we, the, the dealer, the factory, et cetera, submit, take a 25% um, charge before they return your money. 
a X number of dollars, X percentage of dollars for their actual troubles for returning it. In the same manner, if you had a check that bounced, you had a $25 fee or so to return it. Same thing with the gun show. If there's not a gun license, a, a licensed dealer to submit a background check, I believe that that gun should be sent to an authorized dealer who is credible and certified to actually sell guns. And when you went to go pick it up, you submit to a background check then. Now, I know one of the debates was sales will slow down. It slows down the process. No, if I had to get the gun shipped from online and it says it's going to take three to four days, I can literally go to a dealer, go ahead and submit my background check. It should be in the system. I should say, hey, my name is so-and-so. Here's my ID. Here's my credentials. I want to go ahead and do a background check. So when my weapons get here, there's no issue. I can just pick it up. Pre-planning. Get ahead of the power curve. Preemptively do your background check. Or same thing. I should be able to go to a, if there's a gun show coming on the 20th and it's the 15th, I should be able to go to any agency, do a background check uh, rather quickly, bring those documents in, and then uh, show the gun show people, hey, look, I submitted a background check that passes and I'm able to carry weapons. I don't think that's too hard of a thing to ask a person. Uh, step 1B, I think gifting a gun should come with more restrictions. When I have a, a vehicle and I sell it, I must go to the DMV to re-register it, transfer the title at a title place, et cetera, because there's proper procedures to show that I know I own this, this weapon, I meant this car. And I think that it should be done the same way. I think in order for me to transfer a weapon, I think we should be able to, we should have to go to an authorized gun dealership that is both credible and certified to actually make that transaction. And then that person receiving it should submit to a background check. For a lot of people who don't really understand what gifting is, gifting is where like, if you're 21 or older, you can buy a gun. However, the person that's, that's not 21 can be gifted that gun and they don't have to be 21 to actually receive that weapon. So that's just a, kind of like a loophole, I'm assuming, to get around uh, being the legal age of purchasing a gun. We can't do that for cigarettes. We can't do that for alcohol. I couldn't go to the store and buy alcohol and say, okay, I brought it. You like you need it. Here you go. I'm going to give it to you. You can't really do that for almost any, anything else, but you can do that for a weapon. I don't understand it, but whatever the reason is, if that's the, if that's the case, I think that person should go submit to a background check as well and then see, see if they're legally able to attain the gun. Step two. Step two, to me, deals with ammo and ammo capacity of uh, magazines. Now, I don't believe that any person necessarily needs 30 rounds, 50 rounds, 100 rounds to go hunting, as most people potentially put it, that their rifles are for hunting and they need so many rounds to go hunting. If you are a person that needs 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 rounds to go shoot an animal, you need to go back to the range and learn how to shoot. Your marksman skills suck, really sucks. That's being honest. I think magazines for rifles should indeed be five. I think anything over five is overkill. Now, let's say you do want to go hunting and you need more rounds in your magazine. I think at hunting lodges, they should have high capacity magazines that they rent out, kind of the equipment, and you return it back to them once you finish. That way, if it indeed is indeed for hunting, there's no need to take it home with you. You can go hunt at the lodge and then pick up the weapons and return it back. I mean, the, the magazines and return it back. As well as if you go hunting on your private land, et cetera, I mean, same thing. You should be. You might be able to go apply for a permit to have this magazine for X number of days to, if you prove that this is what it's for. 
Also, with that being said, I think limiting the amount of magazines a person carries completely, realistically, two magazines per weapon, even a pistol with an 18-round shot should should be enough. I don't think you need more than that to even defend yourself at home. Again, if it takes you more than 8 to 10 rounds to put down a person, your marksmanship skills suck, and you probably need to go to the range and be more proficient at what you do. So that's step 2A. Two, two step 2B limits the amount of ammo a person can actually attain at one time. And in, in the military, when we go do uh, go to the range, we go shoot, we got to pick up our own brass and turn it in. And then they weigh it, they figure out if we pretty much turn in the right amount or anywhere near it. And I think that's the way it should be. If you shoot, you should pick up your own brass and, and turn it back in. There's no need for a person to have 2,000 rounds. There's no need for a person to have more than 100 rounds for one weapon. If I had a 9mm, what in the world do I need 100 rounds for? 25, 30, most. What, what else would I be doing with that much ammo? So I think if I go to the range, again, they, the range has ammo they can rent, they can lend out. You know, you buy the ammo, you shoot it, return the shells, and then you're good. It's no need to stockpile that much. Now, let's say if I had two nines, that still doesn't necessarily mean I need 50 more rounds for that nine. No, it just literally means that if I had a 50-round cartridge, I can literally probably put eight to 10 rounds in a few mags, and I would still have two mags per, per nine. That's more than enough rounds. Now, step three is not even dealing with the actual gun control itself, but more so the security and safety or the reaction to mass shootings. Now, police does a phenomenal job with trying to respond to shootings. For the most part, they, they get there in a fairly quickly amount of time. However, sometimes that's not enough. So with that being said, I think the most logical thing is to arm more people in a responsible manner. I don't mean just give every Tom, Dick, and Harry a, a gun and tell them to be vigilantes. What I mean is every store have a, have a system set up where they have security. So for example, if Walmart or Target, they have asset protection. They also have people who walk around in plain clothes and, and be able to move in so you don't notice them. Why not arm these people? Why not arm the asset protection? There's security. Why not arm them? Why not arm the people that's actually walking around in plain clothes? So what that happens is if your job is security, you know, now we have to beef it up. We have to up it because now the, the threat is no longer just people stealing or fighting. The threat is people coming to your store shooting. And to react to that, now we actually need to evolve in the same way stores now put uh, IDs and scanner tags at the, at the uh, entrance. So if you walk out, it alert, you know, because it's no longer the, the threat of people just walking in and taking stuff out and then walking. because That's what was going on. Now they have ways to detect the cameras to, to ensure that they can actually follow you around the store because they know you can rip tags off. So if all these security measures has been taken place because of the evolving threat of people stealing, why not uh, evolve security guards to take place, take the threat of people coming in and shooting? You send them to a course, get them certified, get them to credentials, and then allow them to carry. So now if I walk into a store, I know that these, these people right here, that's asset protection, has weapons. But what I don't know is the people who are also asset protection in plain civilian clothes are also asset protection in carrying. So if I start shooting, we have people that's able to respond immediately before the police get there. And I think the, the actual number of people should correlate with the amount of traffic a person, a store sees an hour. For example, Walmart might have three or four people, you know, working already there that has, you know, security um, protection that's going to carry weapons as opposed to a family dollars who may only have one person or so, maybe two at the most there that's uh, carrying a weapon. So I believe that 
you know, that, that should equate to the amount of people seen per hour. Malls and shopping centers are a little different. I think the mall should provide some additional security guards with weapons, as well as a, every store. Spencer's, those little size stores should have have at least one person on hand as well to, to quell a threat just in case it happens. So just a quick recap of my steps. Step 1A, if you buy a gun online or at a gun show, the gun should be sent to an authorized dealer who is both credible and certified to sell guns. And then you should submit to a background check before picking it up. Or if you're going to a gun show, you can go get a background check done previous to the gun show and then bring that to the paperwork showing that you have submitted to a background check and is now able to carry a weapon. Step 1B is gifting the gun should be done in the presence of a credible and certified gun dealership who would give a background check to the recipient, and if they pass, they can receive the weapon. Step 2A is limiting the ammo capacity of magazines to 5 for rifles and 8 to 10 for pistols. Step 2B is limiting the amount of ammo a person can carry completely. Step three is arming security guards and security personnel at every store so they can actually engage a threat if necessary. So that's my points, and I do look forward to hearing from everyone, and I hope that it starts a very productive debate and discussion on gun control, and then we'll just see where it leads.